Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Passover, but now we're going to the New Testament, and I'm glad Claire read text from the New Testament relative to, to Passover. And then I'll read to you a prophecy that was sent to me this morning by Quirbus. Listen carefully, because this applies to you. Prophecy to me is a prophecy to us all. Randolph, he says, this came at, at half past eight this morning. Randolph, the Lord gave me a word for you this morning. Malachi 3 from verses 11 to 12. Let's just put that up. Um, can I just share this before I teach? You don't mind because I think it's critical to, for your understanding. So you know what we stand for as a house. It says, uh, Malachi 3 from verse 11 to 12. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your ground. And nor will the vine in the field cast its grapes says the Lord of hosts. Now, when he said this, this obviously is uh, one of the blessings attached to tithing, not so. Because in the previous verses, it talks about um, bring the whole tithe to the Lord. And so, I, fortunately for me, some time ago, it's in my manual, I did an intense study of this verse. So when I read it, I knew exactly what the Lord was, was saying. I will rebuke the one that eats away at your resource. The devourer is the one that eats away at your resource. This is a blessing to the tither. You know, when you don't tithe, you think by not tithing and by prioritizing other things, you're going to come out. Little do you know, you actually dig a deeper and deeper hole. And you, the Bible says in Haggai, your holes have, you have pockets with, with holes. You are clothes. It says you have clothes, but you're never warm. Okay. You have grain, but you're never, never satisfied. So there's a devouring spirit that eats away at resource. So everyone say this is a prophecy to the house. Prophecy to the house is God says God's going to deal with the devourer. Right? You will not eat away at your, at your resource. So that it will not destroy what? It will not destroy the fruit of your, of your ground. And when I read this this morning, prophetically I think it alludes to this you see, fruit is the outcome of years of toil. A farmer, particularly vineyards, to which is alluded here. A vineyard, they say, it takes a lot of years for the, for the crop to produce grapes, right? It takes a lot of years. It's one of those plants that you need to really attend and cultivate. And God says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that it will not destroy the fruit that should attend you based upon your years of labor and your years of focused attention to bring this plant to productivity, right? So God said you will experience the fruit attendant with your labor, okay? Then he says, nor will your vine, you won't say the vine, so still busy with the vine, your vine will not cast its grapes or your, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes. Some versions say your vine will not cast itself off before the time. You know that uh, when they grow, when, when grapes grow on the vine, um, sometimes they have to get the harvesting time very, very precisely accurate, right? Otherwise, a lot of grapes could be wasted by the vine, literally the, the grapes throwing themselves off the plant before the time, okay? So there's a lot of wastage. Everyone say no wastage, so when I read the Lord said to me, okay, there'll be no wastage, there'll be no erosion of resource because God himself personally is going to rebuke the devourer. You know? When God says, I deal with the enemy on your behalf, right? if you don't tithe, you deal with the enemy by yourself. But when you tithe, God says, I step in now and I deal with the enemy on your behalf. I rebuke the devourer for, for your sake. Who would you want to fight the enemy, you or God? 
Let God fight on your behalf. Okay? So that that eroding, eating away spirit, God says, I'm going to deal with that. And then verse 12 says, the nations will call you blessed. Tell your neighbor, we are blessed. The nations will call you blessed. For you shall be a delightful land. Some versions say a delightsome land. A delightsome or delightful land is one that recruits the attention of others. It is so pleasant. It is so um, oasis-like in this context. It issues forth such fertility and vitality, refreshment to those. People look at the land and say, wow, it's so peaceful, so restful. We can come here and draw nourishment, repose from. You shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Who promises this? Everyone say Lord of hosts. Right? The Lord of hosts is the one that promises this. In other words, he's the Lord of the armies set for battle. Here's the prophecy. So he says that verse, and then he says this. Because you have dispersed of yourself and put grain in my storehouse, because you dispersed apostolic doctrine from your life in the life of grace carriers, storehouses, now many unfulfilled prophetic word in your life will suddenly come to pass. Everything that was taken from you and your family, even the wider than your personal house, will now be returned to you sevenfold. New things will happen. New things now quickly and suddenly. Not planted and worked out because of it will be a sovereign move of God in your life. All the secret desires of, of you and Renee especially will now come to pass. And I hear the Lord saying, it has been released already in the earth and is being commissioned to be released. And the produce of the fruit of the substance of the earth will come now to you and your entire family. The Lord bless you. It's a very encouraging word, amen. Extremely encouraging word. So I want to encourage you. Enter the produce and the blessing of the Lord. Amen. Last week I shared with you of how that when God led forth Israel from Egypt, he clearly said to them, I now make a distinction between you and the, East, and the Egyptians. Everyone say distinction. Right? God said, as you go, not even a dog will bark. Not even an Egyptian dog will bark at you. I will silence the dogs to show you that I am the Lord and I make a distinction between you and the Egyptians. And I shared with you that how that we need to be a different person. To be distinguished, to be distinct, there must be distinctives that characterize you and set you apart from everybody else. If there are no distinctives, if you are just the same as the world, and if we cannot isolate you as a son of God based upon peculiarities that are unique to you, if you're just one among the many, then you're not exhibiting a difference. Right? I want to encourage you, exhibit a difference. Show forth. Don't be the same. Don't blend in. You are a son of God. Call forth to show his praise in the earth. And it is concerning to me that today, sons of God, are not maintaining the difference. We are called to be different. And I, I don't want to go through all the scriptures, but I read a bunch of scriptures to you last week where God said to the priests very, very clearly, because you priests have not distinguished and maintained your distinctive, you failed even to teach my people the difference between the profane and the holy, the vile and the precious, the wicked and the just. And I want to encourage you um, I spelt out a few things last week. I gave you some specific examples of things that are not kosher for sons of God. God spoke to me very clearly while I was in Celebi Pique. God, I can't tell you how often this thought came to my spirit. God said to me, Randolph, keep the house refined. For the level of warfare that you are going into, you see, we're going to fight a bigger enemy, even by our relocation, Right? Our mandate is now going to be centralized again. God has given me some aspects that we're going to do in next year that's going to warrant our presence citywide. Listen to me very carefully. We're going, to, we're going to spread this word more vociferously than we've ever had before. But 
we will also come up then for greater satanic scrutiny. Right? And so the enemy will just not just sit back and let people take his domain. Right? And those that are going to be used need to be pure. I want to stress this. Now, if I smell impurity, I will address you. If I smell impurity. I'm not, I'm not vindictive. You know my heart. I'm very loving and fatherly, I think. But I'm, I'm so concerned now. Because when we, when we function at a greater level, we must make certain that within our lives, there's rectitude, there's purity. There's a distinction at every single, at every single level. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan has desired you. Remember? He has desired you. To do what? To sift you like, put you in a sieve. You know what you do for flour? And, uh, but, you know, Jesus did not say, I rebuke the devil on your behalf. You know what Jesus said to him? I'll let the process take its course, but know this, Peter, I'm praying for you. Right? In other words, satanic sifting comes to all that will be used mightily of God. Was Peter to be used mightily of the Lord? Yes or no? Yes, he will be a key spokesman, particularly in the book of Acts. This is that which was written by the prophet Joel. So I want to encourage us all. In the season when God sifts, don't lose focus. God prunes to refine. This season is about refinement. Amen? If you are still pussyfooting, treading softly, around issues that you know you need to take a firm stance on to bring order and rightness in your life. I will encourage you by the, an apostolic decree this morning. Give it your ardent attention and be courageous to obey. Right? Stop skirting the issue anymore. Obey courageously. Tell your neighbor, obey courageously. Just obey courageously. Right? Be, be forthright. Sam always said, and I told you this last week, he said to me, or to the, to the conference, you, you, may be, you might not be perfect, but at least be intentional. Right? Um, be, be focused. And so I want to encourage you, this is a day of serious, serious distinction. Everyone say distinction. You know, David, uh, Moses said to the Lord, when he prayed to the Lord in Exodus 33 verse 16, he said, how can it be known that if I have found favor in your sight and I and your people, is it not by your going with us that we and your people might be distinguished? Everyone say distinguished. So when, when Moses prayed this, he says, God, your presence must go with us, for by the token of your presence, it distinguishes us from the rest. Right? Please, brethren, right now as I speak, listen to me very carefully. I'm drawing a line in the Spirit. You're either on God's side or you're going to stay where you are. God is now intolerable of those who are insensitive to his word. God right now is intolerable of those who have heard things repeatedly and repeatedly. But you take his words and you throw them behind your back. And you disesteem. You, think, you esteem lightly the speaking of the, of the Lord. This is a serious moment in God. And let me just say this further. To distinguish those that God approves. In this context, what does Moses pray for? Your presence. Let your presence go with me, so that by your presence, we become distinguished from those that don't have your presence. There's going to come such a favor on those who are accurately positioned in God. The favor on those accurately positioned in God will automatically show up those out of favor with God. Now, I don't know about you. I will never want to be out of favor with God, eh? Right? And I shared this to you very strongly last week. Mark the increased levels of the manifest presence of God in your life. Wait for it. Note it. God's going to intensify his presence. By that will be your distinguishing factor. Right? I don't take it for granted. David said, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me when he sinned. He realized without presence, I'll be unproductive. Without, if God must leave me, don't be like Samson when Delilah cut his hair and the Philistines came. You know what is to be self-deceived? He arose and he said, no problem. I will rise up as in times before. But the Bible says, little did he know that the Spirit of God left him. Right? It's a very dangerous place to be. 
when God removes favor from you. And I prayed this morning, I said to the Lord, Lord, I will do everything in my power so that the move is efficient to Durban North. But with all the logistics involved, carting of instruments, the setting up, or we'll put people in place that we'll do our best to be efficiently prepared. But I said, the one thing that we cannot journey without is your presence. I said, everything else can be in place, but if you're not there, what is the point? I would rather go there with nothing than have God, because God's presence will generate the results. Not so? And I want to encourage us. I want to value the sense of God's nearness in my life very, very much more now than I've ever had before. Don't take it for granted that God's presence will always be there. His presence will not validate your error anymore. Watch, listen. He, his presence is not going to validate error. Okay? Some of us think because God's presence is known and tangible, that he's okay with my sin. Some of us go to prophetic meetings and we, some people, I've heard some, someone say this, well, this is a good prophet. He's an accurate prophet. He didn't address my sin. Surely God is winking at it. No. The failure of God not to highlight something erroneous in your life is no proof that God is still pleased with you. Because there's a higher level, a more sure word of prophecy that you have. Principles are, are, are listed in God's word and that is our sure more, a more sure word of, of prophecy. Now, uh, if I violate scripture, that is my only and only yardstick. I don't need a prophet to tell me. I need the word to tell me. Amen. So I esteem God speaking now more than, more than ever before. And I want to maintain my, my distinction. Last week I said to you, God said, the last, I think it was the, 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 the plague of the flies that was sent to Egypt, remember? What did God say to, to Israel? No fly will come near your dwelling when the plague of flies come. Dwell in the land of Goshen. And the Bible says, not a fly came to Goshen. And what God says, I will do this to show you that I make a distinction between you and the Egyptians. Tell your neighbor you are a distinct person. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't, I don't have the words to communicate with you the profundity of this thought and the intensity thereof. How God bore this heavily upon my own heart. Randolph, you are not like everybody else. Randolph, you are different. Tell your people, they're not an ordinary church. They're a distinct group. Amen. So don't compromise the principles that make you unique, that make you different from everybody else maintain those distinctions because says the lord now there will come such presence now there will come such favor and in in context where i'm judging everything else globally with flies and other plagues it will not come near you and uh, your immunity would be because i make a distinction between you and the rest i make a distinction between you and others amen so i want to encourage you to to um, uphold the standard. Tell your neighbor, uphold the standard. Please know, in the matter in which you compromise, you will be judged. Hear the word of the Lord. In the matter in which you compromise, you will be judged. Not to punish you. Because God is a loving God. Not so. When I say judge, God's judgment is always re redemptive. It's never punitive. But because love, God loves you, he will have to chasten you so that your soul will be saved. The pruning, note my, mark my words now, brethren. The pruning of the Lord, vested in and through the sifting of Satan, is about to increase. But know this, the Lord himself prays for us. Because he wants to see us refined to a place of greater productivity. Amen? He wants to see us refined to a place of greater productivity. For whomever the Lord loves he chastises and he chastens every son that is born of his. Amen. But never before have, have I become a man of principle. Never before am, am I subscribing to protocol, to order, to exactitude, to doing things properly, to doing things God's way. 
to observing things that would not offend the heart of God. We must be people of purity. Purity is your authority. No purity, no authority in the realm of the, of the spirit. Amen? Now, I will deal shortly because of time, obviously. Just for the next 20 minutes or so. With one particular Passover, it's the first one in the book of John. In the book of John, there are four Passovers. Jesus, in three and a half years, attended four Passovers. The first one is found in John chapter 2. Let's turn there. Right? He is the Passover lamb, not so? So the first Passover that he attended is John chapter 2. Quickly. We're going to read from verses 13 to verse 17. Just five verses. Watch. Now, please bear in mind, I'm teaching you, I'm also teaching you principles of how to study the scriptures. When you hear messages, learn, hear the message, the word of the Lord to your heart, but also watch and learn from me in terms of how, what methodology we use to decode the, the scriptures. Up to this point, we looked at the Old Testament example of Israel observing the Passover so that they leave Egypt with immunity. They are safe in their transition. Amen. Now we're going to the New Testament and we're seeing the feast is still celebrated by Jews and Jesus is living. Jesus honored the feast. He did not not go to it because the law was still in. The law was still in place. So he bows to the dictates of the spiritual order in the environment in which he lives. Not so. And so he's going to the feast of the Jews. Oh, by the way, if you read the book of Acts, I read a scripture in Celebi Piqui this week that I marveled at from Acts. The Bible says Paul wanted to go and attend the feast of Pentecost. Right? And he, he made haste to get there before it, it started. Okay? Now, the, peace, the feast was already fulfilled in the person of Christ through his death, etc. Right? But Paul even used what the Jews were doing ordinarily to fast track the purposes of God. You know, I read that God said to me, Randolph, stop being so religious. <laughs> Use wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. Paul used wisdom. You know the fact that the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead? Do you know that? The Pharisees believed it. You know, Paul, in one instance, he was in the middle of drama in the book of Acts. There was contention in a court of law. And um, the Bible says, and knowing, he said, knowing that certain there were, there were certain Sadducees in the midst. Paul said he brought up the matter of the resurrection. What did he do? And they, there was contention now between them and Paul escapes. <laughs> He's a wise man. Eh? Tell you never be wise. <laughs> be wise as a serpent, harmless as, as a dove. Not so? So, um, Jesus attended four Passovers. Let's just read. We're going to read the actual accounts. Uh, because we're going to read what Jesus said and or did at the time of the Passover in Jerusalem in the New Testament. The first example is found here. The Passover of the Jews was near and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the way, for all three feasts, Passover, Pentecost and Tabernacles, Jerusalem was the place that everybody in Canaan would gravitate to and migrate to to celebrate the feasts. Okay, Now, so he goes to Jerusalem. When he gets there, he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and money changers seated at their tables. He made a scourge of cords and he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and he poured out the coins of the money changers and he overturned the tables. It gets violent here. Makes a whip. The Bible says he fashioned a whip. Didn't go buy one from the whip shop down the street. He sees the scenario. He says, no problem. I sit down quietly in my corner. Take my time. Everyone do this. <laughs> Plat my whip, my, the item. And I'm thinking as I'm doing this, watching all of this inaccuracy. Right? It's ready now. I lash everybody that's inaccurate in the temple out. I turn over your structure, your table, the thing that you use, the systems that you are using to enrich yourself. I turn that, turn it over. 
and he overturned their tables. Next one. And those who were selling doves, he said, take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. Right? You'll find this in all, in, in, in Mark's gospel and I think in, in Matthew's gospel as well, this account. And some gospels say, stop making my father's house a den of thieves. It's, then the next point. His disciples remembered that it was written. So, are the disciples witnessing this? They must be thinking, what on earth has beset the master? We've never seen him like this before. Hey? Out. Right? And, they, and then, you know what? When they saw this, the Holy Ghost brings a scripture to their minds from Psalm 69 that Jesus had quoted already. And it says, he, His disciples remembered that it was written in Psalm 69 in the Old Covenant the zeal for your house will consume me. Everyone say consumed. I need people. Who are consumed about the state of the house. Amen. It says the zeal of your house has gone. Consume me. Now let's just stop there. Straight after this. When in Matthew's account of the same incident. Matthew 21. The Bible says. And many, many came into the temple. Blind and lame. And Jesus healed all of them. Right. Now, what are, the, what are the principles that we must extract from the house? Remember two days or two weeks or three weeks ago, we did extracting leaven from the house. Here, Jesus sees that people were monetizing the message. Do you know today how that many people, many ministers are peddling the word of God for financial gain? Right? For me, it's sickening. I see on Facebook and, in, and, and in, in other platforms when news is disseminated how that this, this, this fact is, is growing at an, an alarming rate. And mark my words, now we're going to see the judgment of God coming to such houses. Recently, uh, the latest one is the guy selling anointed pens for those that are writing exams. From $5 up to about $25, sometimes $50. You're in a massive church. And he bought a whole lot of pins, prayed for them, and sold them for approximately $50 each to a church in Africa. And it's saying anointed pins. And depending how, how well you're going to pass, or you want to pass, you up your price for the pin. Ludicrous. That's bad. But what's even more amazing is the people fall for this. That for me is the problem. The people lack, the people lack discernment. People selling special oil from Israel. Don't you dare buy that. Don't you buy that witchcraft. It's not of God. I declare to you, you know what the Bible says? When the disciples ask Jesus, what shall the signs of your times be in the last days? You know, Jesus starts the conversation. He says, take heed unto yourselves that you be not deceived. Deception is the greatest item, factor, criteria, indicator that the last days are here. Right? So you take heed unto yourself that you do not uh, be deceived. There's another prophet that is tramping now on pregnant women, praying for them. That is of the devil. It's witchcraft. Brethren, you know, we don't appreciate what we have in apostolic communities. Listen carefully. I want to declare this to us all. Never leave an apostolic house. There's safety here. Right? There's rectitude and there's rightness here. Mark my words. There is going to come an increase of wholesale deception by those or to those that don't have apostolic sight and don't have apostolic eyes. Right? Do you remember Simon the sorcerer? He was saved under the ministry of who? Philip the evangelist in Samaria. Philip went to Samaria and preached the, the gospel. Not so. And Simon the sorcerer got saved. What is his trade? Sorcery. The 
apostles, Peter and John, came down to Samaria to see what's happening. There's this revival here. When they encounter this man, and they are praying for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, Simon sees it and says, Here's some money monetizing the message. Here's some money. Give me this power also, so when I lay hands on people, the Holy Ghost can fall on them. You know what the apostles responded to him? He said, they said, you are in the goal of wicked, the goal of bitterness and beset by wickedness. They said to him, repent of this evil and perhaps the Lord will forgive you. Right? What's the point? Philip couldn't pick that up. Only apostolic eyes picked it up. Not so? When the apostles were present, sorcery was exposed. Amen? Now more than ever before, some of you don't appreciate what I'm saying because you haven't traveled the nations and you're seeing what I'm seeing in some cities. Thank God for what you have, brethren. There is safety here. There's great safety here. And so we're going to speak against any form of deceit or any attempt, listen carefully, to monetize and to enrich oneself personally from the message of the gospel of the kingdom our leadership here knows my heart those resources even those cds you have at the back cost more cost an average 40 rand to print one there's covers to buy there's a cd itself to buy there's ink which costs about 300 rand per cartridge that is used to to label the stuff there's labor involved and we only at right now at the moment are charging 20 rand what is my aim oh i never want to succumb to the temptation to sell spiritual resources to recruit money. Never, ever before. Tell your neighbors, Passover. You know what I'm, what I'm declaring to you? I'm speaking as a prophet now. Listen carefully. And I'm saying we will endeavor for as long as we are able to do to make every, when we start writing books and manuals and publishing them, we will keep the, the, the sale of it as minimal as Possible simply to recover production costs. But we will never use that to make profit to enrich our, ourselves. Amen? As far as possible, we will make it freely available. We are going to get there. I, I, you know, I long for the day to be in a conference of about 5,000 people. And we've just produced resource. And we make an announcement. Everyone, as you leave the building, take one. No charge. Wouldn't that be a glorious day? So now we don't even write books to enrich ourselves. We do it simply to spread the message. Hallelujah. But it means that you must give more so that can happen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bless the Lord. Don't use the house for personal gain. Don't use the context of the house of God with the focus on what I can I personally get out of it. If you belong to this family, invariably you will be blessed. Invariably you will be personally upgraded. But can I speak to you of a shift? Everyone say a shift. I want everybody now to come to the house with this mindset. I'm going to come privately to enrich everybody corporately. I'm going to come personally to bring good to everybody corporately. I'm not coming to see what can I get out of this for myself and my family. But I come here with the mindset that I want to, to upgrade and be a blessing to everybody corporately. Amen. Now I've appealed to you concerning this in the past. Brethren, now that we're going to Durban North, this imperative is going to become all the more important. There will probably be visitors. I always say this to you. Visitors must take priority. So you see someone in the building. They become the priority. Go to them. Hi, how are you? My name is Lillian. What's your name? Where do you come? Welcome. You know, those little things make such a, a huge impact upon the person. Now, by those little things, what are you doing? You are saying, I'm living not unto myself. I'm in a house with a spiritual father. I'm a spiritual son in the house. I'm going to build God's purposes vested in and through the, the house. Not so? So I will build the purpose and the vision attendant with the house so i want to encourage you if your only purpose here is to showcase yourself or to see what can i get from this environment 
you have the wrong spirit. You have to come to living selflessly unto another. I want to say it again. Live selflessly unto unto another. That is the position of humility. That is the position of, of Christ. Paul said, I will suffer all things for the elect's sake. I will suffer for the... Even Paul's sufferings, he says, if I suffer and my suffering is bringing benefit to the elect of God, I don't mind doing it. I will suffer for the e, for the elect's sake. Amen. Now, thirdly, Jesus said when he drove the money changers out at this Passover, at this Passover, the, 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 the culture of the house is being preserved. Please, I want you to understand this. You're taking notes, you must take that down. At this Passover, the culture of the house is being preserved. The culture of the house was being abused. Not so. The purpose of the house was being abused. Jesus said, it, it is written, the zeal for your house has consumed me. Is Jesus full of zeal? Yes or no? Come on, talk to me. Yes or no? Is he full of zeal? Yes, he is full of zeal. Now, I need to explain zeal to you. Just quickly. Let's look at where he quote, where this is quoted from. Look at Psalm 8, Psalm 69 and verses 8 to 9. That verse is a quote directly from Psalm 69. And in reference to where it's quoted, um, he says in verse 8, before this is quoted, he says, I have become estranged from my brothers and I am an alien to my mother's sons. Right? Notice the context. I have become estranged from my brothers and I'm an alien to my mother's sons. And then the next verse says, for the zeal, for means because, right? So why am I an alien even to my own brothers? Why am I a stranger even to my own brothers? Why? It's because the zeal of your house has consumed me and the reproaches of those who reproach you have, have fallen upon me. Not so. So I want to encourage you. Listen carefully. You will lose many friends, associations, even family sometimes, when the zeal for God's house consumes you. You know why? If your brother violates the principle of the house, the zeal for the house cajoles you, fires you up, more to maintain the standards of the house than to please even a brother. So when the brother violates the house, you you overthrow the brother's money table, drive him out, because you're more concerned about principle rather than by sentimental attachment. Amen? What did Jesus say? Have I not come? I've not come to send peace. He said, but I've come to send a sword. I've come to set a brother against his sister, a brother against his his father, etc. In context, he was talking about um, there will be that strife within the context of anyone who ups for upholding standard rather than to please men. Amen? So I want to encourage you. Everyone say zeal. Um, I'm, I'm trusting God. I said to the Lord, I'm starting this. Lord, give me greater zeal, not just for your house, for this house, even for my spiritual father's global house. Let the zeal for your principles in the house, let that eat me up. You know the word zeal in the Hebrew? It means let it eat me up. Let it override me. Let it so consume me, I have to do it. Think about this. When Jesus saw those money changes, do you think he decided, shall I, shall I not? Shall I, shall I not? Everyone say zeal. You know what the zeal was doing? Something was eating Jesus up. He's saying, my father's purpose, my father's house, my father's will, my father's culture is being abused. It's being violated. So I act to drive out that element. Listen carefully. He's not driving out people. He's driving out principles that should not be in the house of God. You know what a true son to a father does? Any true son to any father, if he sees the house of his father, its culture being violated, he will step in to correct it. Even if it means he must offend a brother, but he would rather be an alien to his brother and be faithful to the zeal of his father's house. Amen? 
So ask your neighbor, are you prepared to offend a brother? Now please don't go out willy-nilly offending people. You, we don't offend anybody, or at least we try not to. We don't offend. The truth offends. I always say to people, don't offend even by your manner. But just speak the truth quietly and let the truth offend. Amen? And so I want to encourage you. I'm more passionate. I said to the Father, the Lord said to me, Randolph, can I entrust you with the culture of my house? Can you preserve its flavor? Can you re- preserve its temperature? I say to the Lord, Lord, give me a zeal. Give me a fresh zeal. Let, let something eat me. You know, you've heard the term, hey, that thing is eating her up. Eh? You know, you, you speak like this. Maybe it may be the bitterness or the offense or the anger. It's eating them up. What about the good now eating you up? Have some passion. Have some priority for God's things. Amen? Have a zeal for the house. When Jesus saw the house being violated, he said, no way, Jose. Right? Fashion my whip. And you know what? His intention, by the way, his intention was this. He said, it is written, my father's house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Everyone say, it is written. Now, here's the thing. Don't just go around driving people out. You drive people out because they violate what is written. The word of God is the premise from which anybody with zeal for the house functions when he sees the house being being violated. Amen? It's not your personal opinion. It's basically the principles of the word of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said this, Randolph, your house is going to a new platform. There's going to be the beaming forth of a new message on a far greater level. Do not be afraid to establish the principles of the house. Let the zeal for my house consume you more than your desire to please men. You will even lose brothers and be alien to your mother's sons, as it says there. For the zeal of my house will consume you. So, but he said this, so long as you function from the premise of it is written. It is written, my father's house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you are making it a den of, of thieves, a den of iniquity, of wickedness. Amen. Tell you never clean the house. Appreciate what Claire shared this morning. Clean the house. You know, I trust, how many of you are experiencing the personal fire of the Lord? The refinement. You know, I'm so scared of God these days. Scared in a good sense. I fear God. I have a reverential respect for him. I will not violate his principles now uh, easily because I fear him. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews chapter 12. Our God is a consuming fire. He fashioned a whip. It's a house of prayer for all nations. Now, everyone say zeal. Let me just leave this thought with you before we close. Just watch. Zeal, the word is Quina in the Hebrew. Quina, Q-I, sorry, Q-U-I-N-A-H. Quina. Everyone say Quina. Right? Quina literally means this, to be jealous or to be envious on behalf of somebody. Right? To be jealous or envious. And you know whenever jealousy or envy besets someone, strong emotion affects that person. Because they see, that, and who's, on whose half are we jealous for? On God's behalf. So we're going to see his purpose reestablished in the midst of us. Now, in Isaiah, I want to read a scripture that we know very, very well. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. For unto us, child is born. Unto us, say, son is given. And the government will rest on it, his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of peace there will be no end to the increase of his government or peace on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore watch the zeal of the lord of hosts will accomplish this whenever this word zeal is used it always indicates intense focus to get a task done Intense fervor, if you would. Intense energy to get the, ta- the task done. 
How many of you knew Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7? We know it more or less, eh? Unto us a son is born, the government will be on his shoulders. At the end of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. But few of us quote this last bit. The zeal of the Lord is going to accomplish the fulfillment of this prophecy. Amen? Do you know God is very zealous to accomplish the fulfillment of prophecy? More zealous than I think what we are. Right? But I want to declare this to you. I want to declare this to you. I want a zeal like the Lord has a zeal. I'm saying, God, give me fervor. Give me focus. Give me, give me vision. Give me energy. Give me drive. Give me a step. Spring in my step. I want to have such divine energy. It's called grace. Everyone say grace. Right? I, I want to passionately fulfill the task for which God has called us. What accomplishes the fulfillment of that prophecy? The zeal of the Lord who is in charge of the armies of Israel. Lord of hosts. He will accomplish this prophecy. You know, I want to encourage you, brethren. We are moving now to Durban North. I, I want to pray for you shortly now. We need zeal, passion. And I want to say, have an energy that you've never had before. Have such a desire and willingness to work that you've never had before. You know, there's an amazing scripture in the book of Nehemiah where Nehemiah was called to rebuild the wall and he, he informed certain people of the intent of the Lord. And you know, when they started the work, the Bible says, and the people had a mind to work. Amen? Tell your neighbor, have a mind to work. And the people have a mind to work. And I want to encourage you. Everyone say up. <laughs> Do this, say up. Right? You know, my frequency is already here now. I came here thoroughly exhausted last night. But I sat up until about 11 to do certain things, certain administrative tasks, waiting upon God. Why? And you know what I'm praying for now? I'm saying, God, I'm physically exhausted, but give me grace even to do this. Let, my, let your grace even take me beyond my, my physical fatigue because there's, there's, there's something to be done. Elijah outran Ahab's chariot. Brethren, trust me. Listen carefully to, listen carefully to what I'm saying now. Trust God that he's going to give you a grace that's even going to affect your physicality. It's going to affect how you function and the things that you're able to do in a short period of time. Everyone say zeal for the house. Right? And I want to encourage you, if your posture is toward the house, there's going to come an attendant grace to get the job of the Lord done. Amen? You will do more now than you've ever had before. So your father in the Lord is going to a new level in terms of intensity. The fire is burning. The fire is aflame. If I could come there to each of your chairs privately and pray, if this were possible, Lord, just impart, impart new fervor, new desire, new zeal. I want everybody to be on the same page as I am. Amen? I want to encourage you, be focused. God's going to expect our work ethic and our efficiency to go to a new level of excellence. Amen? A brand new level of, of excellence. Brethren, can you hear my heart? I want everybody opio pos. Is that the right Afrikaans? Opio? Is that like on focus? Opio pos. Okay? Focused. Do you know, let me read one more scripture to you. Are you faithful? Yes or no? Are you faithful? Hebrews chapter 3, just quickly. Hebrews 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus who? The, uh, the apostle. Is Jesus an apostle? Does he like his name Jesus? Yes. He doesn't call himself apostle Jesus. He calls himself Jesus Christ. <laughs> I see this to the guys there, they chuckle. Because we really hit the thing of titular authority at, at, at the place there. Right? So, um, right, he's called, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our calling verse 2 watch he was faith i like this verse about the lord was jesus faithful he was faithful to him who appointed him how how was jesus faithful to his father in his apostleship and high priesthood he was faithful as moses was faithful in in all his house if you're taking notes the reference that is quoted here is Numbers 12 verse 7, 
where God says concerning Moses. He said this to Miriam and Aaron. Remember they, they complained against Moses and the leprosy beset Miriam? God said, how dare you challenge my servant Moses? I speak to him face to face and he is faithful in all my house. Tell your neighbor, it's all about the house this morning. Now, can I ask you this, brethren, from my heart, you know that I will do anything for all of you. You know, some of you, how I've walked with you through some of the most serious challenges of your own life. You know, many of you, how that God has come through for you. You know that you can rely on Renee and I. You know you can come there any time of the day. We will inconvenience ourselves to make sure that you come through your trial. You come through your suffering. All I'm asking, reciprocate. Not to us. Reciprocate to the Father. In a context, all I'm saying to you, if this context has benefited you, has blessed you, has facilitated growth, all I'm saying is, thus says the Lord, we're now going to a more centralized position and there's a will attendant with it. Now the Lord says, now become more faithful in the house to fulfill its mandate. But the Bible says in the next verse, verse 3, quickly. For most, for he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Christ had got more glory than Moses. Just by so much the builder of the house has more glory than the the house and Christ is the builder. Next verse. For every house is built by someone, and the builder of all things is, is God. Now, next verse. Now Moses was faithful in all his house, but how? As a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken of later. But verse six says, But Christ was faithful how? As a Son, over the house. Whose house are we if we hold fast our confidence? Watch. The difference between Moses and Christ in this passage is this. Both men were faithful. But the faithfulness of Christ, its glory exceeds the faithfulness of Moses. Because Moses' faithfulness, it says, was a testimony of those things to come. He was setting a pattern. He was the shadow. Christ was the real deal. Moses was the type. Christ was the, the fullness of the thing that Moses embodied. So in comparing the two individuals, the writer of the book of Hebrews says this, both faithful, but one man is faithful as a servant, the other is faithful as a son. The un is faithful as a servant in the house, but Christ is faithful as a son over the house. You see, a servant in the house got no vested interest in the estate of the father of the house. Because there's no relationship between servant and the father. But if you are son in the house, you have vested interest. And in your faithfulness, you don't just function faithfully as I'm a member, so let me support. Let me do what I can to support the father. No. You function as a son in faithfulness as though you have stewardship yourself over everything on your father's behalf. In the house. But in essence, you are over the house. Functioning in the house, but with the mindset of being faithful. The word faithful, I got a long teaching on faithfulness on my computer somewhere. I remember teaching it years ago. I'll find it for you in email. It's about six pages. It took every New Testament place where the word occurred and basically what it means. Long and short is this it means trustworthy reliable can you be depended upon amen can i ask you a question this is more than a sermon we're we talking business now amen can i ask you a question can we rely upon you are you here simply to derive personal benefit for yourself but have you come with the mindset i will come not as a servant i will come as a son to fulfill the mandate of the heavenly father Vested in and through this. I don't come to function like a servant in the house. I'm functioning, but my mentality is I'm a son together with my father functioning over the, over the house. Amen. Let me just say this, brethren. When you function in this manner, there will be great and tremendous reward. The zeal 
of my father's house has consumed me. Let me close by saying this. What did Jesus say? The house must be characterized by what? Prayer. Everyone say prayer. I want to encourage you. I've never enjoyed praying more than I have been recently. Saturate the place in prayer. I will encourage you to attend the prayer meeting on Wednesday because we're going to pray through some stuff. Please fast Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Fast seriously. Pray privately. We come together Wednesday. We continue praying. We're going to baptize this move in fervent prayer. Amen. So I want to encourage you. What do you know what prayer does? Prayer is the means through which heaven comes to earth. When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is the means or the medium through which the will of the Father in the heaven comes to vest and rest on the earth. And I want to encourage you, don't neglect your prayer life. You know you're in serious spiritual trouble when you're not praying. For then you're not bringing to bear heaven's dictates to bear upon your earthly situation. Amen. If you know, I know that prayer is an apostolic principle. All the apostles are talking about it now. It's an apostolic principle that's going to be restored. Apostles' doctrine has been fellowship, breaking of bread, and now the fourth pillar is going to come back to solidify and anchor what God is doing. Amen. It's amazing. People can gossip for 30 minutes, but can't pray for three minutes. You say, brother, pray. You find your mind wandering. I'm not talking about a corporate prayer meeting. I'm talking about praying by yourself at home. Can't focus. Don't know what to say to the Lord. And I want to encourage us, have a spirit saturated, baptized in strong, strong prayer. Amen. Pray always. Pray much. Amen. Are you responsible Right now, right now. How many of you are responsible for another one's presence here? In other words, through your effort, somebody came and became a part of the house. If everyone gets one more, the church grows and doubles overnight. Literally doubles overnight. Everyone say viral and visible. The thing can go viral and visible overnight. Amen. So I want to encourage you. Everyone say zeal. Zeal for my father's house. Thank you for your confirmation. Our hearts tremble before you at the thought of doing your will. We declare to you, like Jesus said, my meat is to do your will. Your will is my fuel. It's the only thing that sustains me and keeps me alive is to do your will. I pray that for the house this morning. Our sincere desire is to honor you in all that we do and say. And even now, loving Father, I ask that you would grace us with such resource. I ask, give us desire. Let the zeal for your house consume us again. Everyone just lift your hands very high to the Lord. Just want to pray this prayer of impartation. I won't come to you personally because of time, but Father, I pray, give us, restore the, the zeal, some of us that we once had. Give us back renewed zeal and a fervor that is set on a task. Just like you were intent to make the child born and the son given. That the increase of his government and peace, there will no end. And you said, Father, your zeal will accomplish it. Give us that zeal that you have imparted to us now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Override our tiredness. Override our weakness. Take every excuse away. We enlist now, Father, to be used mightily by you. The task is so magnanimous. It's so big. But Father, our eyes are upon you. It is you that we depend upon. I pray great grace be imparted to every life, every mother, every father, every child. May the zeal for the house of the Lord consume you. May it eat you up inside and drive your internal system. May it motivate you. And now, loving Father, I pray, send the resource. Make a distinction between us that serve you and those that do not serve you. I pray blessing on the entirety of the house. I know that there are many, many voices of scandal presently, even concerning our move in the city. Many people saying many, many things. I pray you silence every negative speech. Silence every curse. 
Silence every word of failure. Silence it, dear Father, in the name of your Son. We stand in our governmental strength as your Son, because you are our Father. Our bidding, only bidding, is to do your will. We have no other desire beyond this, Father. So God, I pray, make the path clear before us. I pray this in your name. Amen and amen.